Well, I'm blessed by that. Let you in on a little secret. Pastors get nervous before they come up because you guys are a tough crowd, you know that? But boy, that music, like uh, David to Saul, I'm not going to throw a javelin at you, but uh, soothes our soul, doesn't it? That was amazing. That was beautiful. Thank you so much for blessing us, Jacob and friends, with your, uh, your gifts. Let's pray and get right to it. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are here through your Holy Spirit. Your eyes and ears are upon us. Your angels are here. We are worshiping you and your Son and the Holy Spirit here today in your house. And now we turn our ears to your word, and we pray that you will bring unity to our body and our mind and our soul. In Christ's name, amen. Good morning, Bridge. It's great to be here. It's great to do three sermons in one day. I tried to borrow Bernie's pink pants, but they didn't fit. So uh, we'll do the traditional suit today. We're finishing, this is the third summer that we've done frames, looking at our fundamental beliefs. And last week, Pastor Jeff did the church, and the week before, we did Christian behavior. And today, they gave me a simple, non-controversial subject, unity. Unity. You think we could use some unity today? Can you use some unity? I know I can. I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, went to Greater Philadelphia Junior Academy, grades one through five. My father was the pastor at the Chestnut Hill Church. I loved Philadelphia. I loved learning about the history of Philadelphia. But there was one thing I hated about Philadelphia. Every time somebody came to visit, we had to go see the Liberty Bell. Every time. And I just got sick and tired of going to see the Liberty Bell. Have you seen the Liberty Bell? When I was there, it used to be in Constitution Hall, Independence Hall. Now they've moved it out into a bigger building. In regards to unity, Philadelphia is sort of where it began for the United States of America. But you do know that the United States of America was not always united, right? We started out with 13 colonies that were very different, very individual, different cultures, different beliefs, different religions, 13 colonies. They came together at Philadelphia to try to come to agreement on a declaration of independence. Now, they finally got there, but it wasn't an easy process. And one of the big blockers was slavery. The southern states wanted to keep it. The northern states wanted them to get rid of it. The southern states said, if we can't keep it, we're not going to sign the declaration. If we're not united, the north knew we cannot win the war with Britain. So they had to compromise there. It would pop up again in 100 years, a little thing called the Civil War would pop up about 100 years later and they'd be forced to address it. But at the beginning of our country, the 13 colonies finally on July 4, 1776, 
signed the Declaration of Independence and became the United States of America. Unity. It is not an easy thing to accomplish. How united is your family? How united is your community? How united is our country? We won't, we won't get into that. How united is our church, our local church, our world church? How united are we? It is not an easy thing to come to. Let's look at the definition of what Miriam Webster says unity is. We, got, we have four definitions here. The first one, the quality or state of not being multiple. Okay, that's interesting. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that. I can understand number two, a condition of harmony. Number three, the quality or state of being made one. And four, a totality of related parts. I think Jesus wants for the church, number two, he wants harmony among us, does he not? Does he not want harmony among us? Does he want to make us one? Yes, and we're going to see we can be, can we be one and different at the same time? Yeah, we can. God can do it. And a totality of related parts coming together. Those are the definitions. Let me give you some examples of unity. And unfortunately, many of these are in name only, but they have united unity in it, okay? We already talked about the United States of America. You guys have heard about the United Nations? About the only thing they're united on is where they meet, if you follow them. They disagree. I mean, you've got 160 countries there, each one with their own agenda, but it is it was a great idea. The United Nations come together, try to avoid wars, work together. United Kingdom, United Arab Emirates, United Airlines, United Methodist Church, the United Way. In our church, maybe you've heard recently a couple things. The Unity Document. Has anybody read the Unity Document? If you haven't, you can Google it, go online. It's something that was produced I believe at Fall Council last year, the World Church Unity Document. And then we recently had a little thing called a Unity Conference in London, which was a reaction to the Unity Document. Those two, it's going to be hard to find unity, but we're not going to talk about that today. But that's where unity pops up. But before we talk too much more about unity, it's just so much more fun to talk about division. I mean, really. What gets more attention at your dining room table, on the radio, on television, on the internet? Do you hear leading story today, we're united in this area. Leading story today, we're united on this topic. Typically, we humans admit it, we like division, we like controversy, we like conflict. And we mentioned earlier the American Civil War. Really, Abraham Lincoln was never president of the United States. He was really president of the divided states or president of the northern states. His entire presidency 
the country was divided in two countries, Confederate States of America and the United States of America. When I travel through the South, I don't use my last name. It's not really good. Sherman, that's not a good uh, historical thing if you know anything about Civil War history. But can you believe there was a time where Americans were killing Americans? Over 600,000 in four years in the American Civil War. Well, how are we doing today as a country? Very briefly, we have economic divisions. We always have. Other countries have that. We have cultural divisions. America, its great strength is its mixture of cultures, but sometimes cultures collide, don't they? Languages collide, people collide, and uh, we're not always as understanding as we should be. Um, we still have racial division in this country, don't we? We can't ignore that. We still have it. At least we have very little political division. Sarcasm. And we also have religious divisions in this country. So it did not end with the Civil War. We didn't fix things. We're still fighting and still divided and still have issues in this country. Well, at least the Christian church doesn't have any divisions. Sarcasm. You know Christianity. You know this is divided into Protestants. Catholics, and the forgotten third one, anybody know who they are? Orthodox Church, the Greek Orthodox. Christianity is divided into those three groups. We as Adventists, I hope you know which group we're in. We're part of the Protestants. In the Protestant group, there are hundreds of denominations, of divisions, of different churches. The Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church, they have their divisions also. You have the typical... Maybe you've heard of these divisions, liberals and conservatives. And you don't want to be a moderate. Because if you're a moderate, you're not conservative enough and you're not liberal enough. You're right down the middle of the road. And what happens when you walk down the middle of the road? You get hit by oncoming traffic and traffic behind you. So the Christian church has those divisions. And we also have the division of the Western world and the rest of the world. So there are divisions in the country, in the church. And you know where I got to go next, right? If we're going to look at the country and we're going to go look at the church, we have to think about, as we're thinking about unity, we have to be aware of divisions in the Seventh-day Adventist church. They're there, okay? Yes, we have the conservative, moderate, liberal yeah, when I was in the seminary 30 years ago, I'm not going to tell you which side I sat on. All the liberal students sat on one side. All the conservatives sat on another. And can you believe it? 30 years ago, we were arguing about women's ordination and other things. And, and, and it was very energized. But there were labels tagged. We have that conservative liberal division in the church. You can see it on Facebook if you go and watch people's comments. Um, recently, I'll get to that in a second. We have North America in the world in the church. North America for a long time has sort of run the show in the world church, and that is changing. Unfortunately, we have to admit that we do have racial divisions in the church, even to the point where we have different conferences marked out by race. 
And we all know, we're not going to talk about this, the pro and anti-women's ordination division. Worship style divisions, okay, we have that. Uh, We also have, here's the one, generational divisions. And I've put it this way. Man, I used to be young. I used to be in the church. I used to be the youth. I used to be in that first group, the 1 to 30 group. I'm not there anymore. But we have that group in the church, birth to 30, the younger generation. We've, we've got, I think, my group, 30 to 60, and I'm pressing close to the 60 mark. I'm just about to enter into the 60 and over group. Those three divisions in the church Look at church and Adventism and other things very, very, very differently, correct? Can we be united? Can we bring those three groups together? I had a discussion with somebody a few weeks ago. I won't tell you which group they were in, but they said to me, there's no more true Adventists anymore. And they had to define, and they had a very clear definition of what a true Adventist was. So we could talk about divisions all day long. And it's important that we're aware that they're there as we discuss unity. So let's look at our Seventh-day Adventist fundamental belief, number 14, unity. And let's read through this together. The church is one body with many members called from every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. In Christ, we are a new creation. Distinctions of race, culture, learning, and nationality, and differences between high and low, rich and poor, male and female, catch this, must not be divisive among us. We are all equal in Christ, who by one spirit has bonded us into one fellowship with him and with one another. We are to serve and be served without partiality or reservation. Through the revelation of Jesus Christ in the scriptures, we share the same faith and hope and reach out in one witness to all. This unity has its source in the oneness of the triune God who has adopted us as his children. Now let's be very clear here. These are beautiful words. I love these words. I, I want to live up to these words. I want this to be our church, the Forest Lake Church the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So the trick always with Scripture, and these are our fundamental beliefs that we're basing off of Scripture, the trick always is how do we take these beautiful words and put them into practice in life? Because if we believe beautiful things but don't behave in a beautiful way, then Paul says we're just a clanging symbol. We're just making noise. I don't want to just make noise. I don't think you want to just make noise. So where do we go with these words? 
Where should we have unity? Let's look at this. Let's break it down. First, it tells us unity in one body. And that is the church. You are the church. We are the church. I am the church. The kids are the church. We are one body made up of many different parts with many members called from every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. I love that about the Seventh-day Adventist church. I love that. I loved when I went to Greater Philadelphia Junior Academy in first grade Spanish, Chinese, German. I got to, you know, they opened up their lunch boxes with different kinds of food. That was really cool. I, I, probably where I got my interest in food was first grade, Greater Philadelphia Junior Academy. Different cultures coming together. And then I remember we had a Spanish church. There was a Filipino church. There was a German church. And we all got together. And it was great. And we all thought of ourselves as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, one body. Okay, so unity in one body. Body. Second, and this is probably the one I get most excited about, unity in respect for differences. If you're from a different generation than the younger or the middle or younger people, try to understand the older generation that's been here for some 90 years or more in a certain way. Have respect for that. In Christ, we are a new creation, so distinctions of race, culture, learning, and nationality, and differences between high and low go away. We respect our differences. Number three, we can live these beautiful words because we have unity in Jesus. If you know Jesus, you can't be a racist. It's impossible. If you know Jesus, you won't look down on the poor or you won't hate the rich because you're not. Or you will not look down on genders or ages or other things. Christ unites us into one by his Holy Spirit. So how open is your heart to the Holy Spirit to bring unity into your heart? And how open are you? Do you want unity? Or are you just happy? Maybe not with it. God calls it to that. The fourth one, unity and mission. Can all of you pray? If you all can pray, you all can do something. Can everyone here give? We can all give. Can everyone, now this is a tough one. Can everyone here be kind? I saw a cartoon the pastor was preaching. And you, do you remember when people used to sit up front? Do you remember that? Remember the seats and the people? And there was a picture the pastor was preaching. And uh, let's just say it was one of the elders was on the front scowling. And uh, the pastor says, God loves you, and I love you, and Brother Smith is still working on that. <laughs> it was a cartoon. It wasn't real. In Christ, we are called to serve, to love, to pray, to help, to give. Take the time in church to see somebody that's not with anyone and say hi, smile, greetings. Greetings. 
Be careful with the hugs. Some people are good with that and some aren't. I'll take a hug, but some people, ooh, that personal space. Say hi, smile, okay? Serve and be served in your job, in your family, in your community, okay? Next one, number five, unity in faith, hope, and witness. Through Jesus Christ, through the revelation of Jesus Christ in the scriptures, we have a witness to the world that they desperately need. People desperate, if you know Jesus, you need to share him with somebody. Now, does that mean you get up and preach on the street corner? Does that mean you run out and give Bible studies? No, it means that you have a story to tell and there are people that will tell you their story and if you will take the time to listen to their story, they just might listen to your story. And I know a lot of your stories and a lot of you, I don't know your stories, but I know that Jesus has done a lot for a lot of you. And if you know that you have eternal life and forgiveness through him, you need to find a way to share that with others. We can be united in that mission of service, making disciples for others. Fifth, the unity in faith, hope, and witness. We talked about that. Sixth, a unity in God. What brings us together is the oneness of a triune God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Some people will fight with you on the Trinity, but if they'll look at Scripture in Genesis, it says, let us make man, us, plural. And we know uh, when Jesus was baptized, the, the Holy Spirit came down, the Father spoke. Jesus talked about his Father. He talked about the Spirit. So we know that there are three of them united. Our unity comes from God and our belief in him. Okay, so I want to get to some fun stuff here. Fasten your seatbelts. I want us to think about what unity does not mean. And think about this. Unity does not mean that we all worship in the same way. Can we agree on that? Unity does not mean that we all worship in the same way. Number two, unity does not mean that we must agree on everything all the time. Unity does not mean that we must agree on everything all the time. In fact, I've never seen a situation where two people are together or more where they agree on everything all the time. Have you? So imagine, we put hundreds of people together, thousands of people. We're not going to agree on everything all the time. Number three, unity does not mean that we cannot ask questions. And this is in the church setting. We should be, especially as Protestants, since we like to protest, we should be allowed to ask questions when it comes to unity. And unity does not mean that one culture should take priority over other cultures. In the church, the unity issue is not cultures over cultures. Okay, make sure, make sure your airbags are working here. Unity does not mean that one gender dominates another gender, according to Scripture and what we read in our beliefs. And finally, unity does not believe that we all interpret the Bible in the same way. You know where I learned this? Seminary. 
Not all the teachers agreed, not all the students agreed. In theology undergrad at Andrews, not everybody agreed. In my academy Bible class, not everybody agreed. And I'll tell you what, I've been to plenty of adult Sabbath school classes where not everybody agrees. So let's see what Jesus has to say about unity. More important to what we think or I say, whatever. what does Jesus say in John 17, 20 through 23? And I want to read this through. Just follow it, absorb it. Jesus said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word. And Pastor Jeff just spoke about this last week, I believe. That they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one, united in us. Safe to say without God, we cannot have unity. Can we say that? Without Jesus, we will never have unity. That the world may believe that you sent me. In a crazy world of division, if the church can present a witness of unity, it's going to stand out. It's going to be noticed. United in love and service and care for each other. Jesus says, and the glory which you gave me I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you loved me. What did Paul say in Ephesians 4? Paul said to us, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling. Live it. Live the gospel which you were called. How should I be, you be, in unity with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing one another in love? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. Notice how many times he says one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. And he himself, God, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. For what reason? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith. That's future tense. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God. Okay, so here's the challenge for us as the church today. A world church, a North American church, a Forest Lake church, an individual church, you, the church. Here are the challenges. I'm going to give you eight of them. There will not be a test, but try to remember one of them. And I would, this is the one I'd probably focus on. Let's be united on the things that really matter. Can we do that? Let's be united on the things that really matter. Taking care of our young people. 
taking care of the lonely and hurting, taking care of those who have just lost someone. Happens every week in this church, two, three, four times. Focus on the things that really matter. Let's be united on these. Jesus said very clearly, Matthew 23, 20, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay your tithe on the mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of law, justice, mercy, faith. Let's focus on justice, mercy, and faith and be united in those. Number two, let's be united on things that are principles because principles never change. Love, peace, forgiveness. Here's one that's sort of been forgotten today. Purity is a principle. Service, honesty, modesty. Let's be united on these principles that never change. And let's not fight over practices that change like Worship style, music, dress, what to eat. And like Pastor Jeff spoke about a week or two ago, circumcision was one of those things. That is a real killer for evangelism, circumcision. I'm glad the early church settled that out because if we still had that today, our evangelistic numbers would not be as good as they are. Practices change. Principles never change. Let's be united on principles. And a challenge to me and to you, may the example of Jesus be at the heart of everything we do. Whenever we do something, let's think about how this reflects Jesus. May the lives of all people that we meet be better because we are united in love for one another and for each other. And may we truly be united in living the gospel to each other and for a world that desperately needs Jesus. And finally, church, may unity be more than a word. May unity be who and what we are. May people say the Forest Lake Church they are united in Jesus. May it be more than a word. May it be who and what we are because of what Jesus has done in our lives.